Well, get your Bibles out and go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7. Now, this is a scripture. Um, you know, there are things, turn me down a little bit, turn me down a little bit. There's things you preach over and over and over, and I have learned over time, it really don't matter. I don't mean that you're, that you're just slow. I mean, all of us, it's like there are things you need to say over and over and over because we, we're going to talk about walking by faith, but the sermon title actually is, uh, well, that's not the sermon title. Are you in the Bible? Are you in the Bible? Yeah, you are. And I think sometimes what a, what a, what a thought process that is. Are you actually in the Bible? Um, we're we're going to look at a scripture in, in a minute about that. But, but um, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Um, I got to find it. So just, there we are. For we walk by faith and not by sight. I think every once in a while we're around faith stuff so much that we assume because we've heard it, we know it. And we do not. I see people who, who have heard faith preached not a lot of evidence because I, I, I share a word with you and this is the word and I want you to hear this, mental assent. And what I mean by that is that you sit in church and you mentally agree that it's true. But until you decide you're going to walk by faith, you will not. Now, there's a danger uh, of, of, of coming to a church and sitting in the audience and waiting on God and, and thinking that by osmosis you're absorbing it and you're becoming better. That is completely wrong. You are not. If there is no decision, one of the things we did when we started the Bible school was that when a person gets a test, it's amazing how much you're not absorbing unless you dig. Unless you're, I'm, I'm going to use the word masticating or reading the Bible by meditating. What I mean by you sit back and you look at it and you read it and go, okay, hold on a minute. After 30 minutes, you're still on one scripture because you're still thinking through it. So let's think through this scripture. We're going to get in. We walk by faith and not by sight. What does that actually mean? It means you walk by the written word, not by your five physical senses. Now, you're walking by what is written. Now, I'm going to read something to you, and I don't, and you'll probably never forget it, but the faith life the faith life is the only life this side of heaven where you will live in victory. If you don't learn to walk by faith, you are going to walk by your five physical senses. And you are going to be thrown around by circumstances. And you're going to sit around and ask, where is God 
thinking that if you're prayed and cried, he should be there. That's fine for a baby when you scream and mama comes, but that's not long-lived if you're a good parent. And so it is with God. So when it says we walk by faith, we walk by the written word, not by our five physical senses. And so often the two contradict. If you haven't trained yourself to walk by what's written, and I mean work at it, you will never do it. You'll never do it. Now, I'm going to read this out of Kenyon's book, and it's, it's in all of his books. Um, it, it's the first chapter in a lot of his books starts off this way, and I think it's apropos to get to read this tonight. One of the recent discoveries in our spiritual laboratory has been that there are actually two kinds of knowledge. Now, most people don't know this. There is two kinds of knowledge. One kind of knowledge is what you get in school, universities, and you get from learning through life. The other kind cannot be learned that way at all. It's, there, is, there is no way to learn it except to pick up a Bible. Now, now listen, the, the knowledge in our schools, college and university, teach us through your five physical senses. You see, you hear, you feel, you touch, you taste. You, you drive a car, you learn by seeing. You cook, you learn by smelling and seeing. But that's not the way you learn the Bible. It's not the way you learn wisdom. It's not the way. Okay? All right. It is safe to say that there is no knowledge of chemistry, biology, metallurgy, metal. Thank you, Catherine. Or mechanics or any other field of outreach, but which has come through the five senses, seeing, tasting, smelling, and feeling. Our bodies have really been the laboratory in which the research work steadily goes on through the ages. That knowledge is limited. It cannot find the human spirit. It cannot discover how the mind functions in your brain. It cannot find God, nor discover the origin of matter, of life, of force, or creation. All that can be discovered are things seen, hear, smell, taste, or feel. We call that sense knowledge. There is another kind of knowledge that can only come through the revelation of a Bible. Now stop and think about what I just said. If you now I, I know people right now, I know people been saved a while. They couldn't talk 10 minutes on Bible. They don't know their Bible. They go to church, but they don't study it to do it. Anything you do well. You only do it well because you studied it. I'm going to say it again. I'm going to say that again. Get this. If you're not studying to do it, you'll never know it. If you're not reading love to do it, and you're going to do it like love is patient, and you're going to get stuck right there for a while, Because until you start practicing it, 
that you don't know that scripture and that, that is no, not real to you. A lot of people say, well, I just love the Lord. They don't even know what love means. I love the Lord. I love peanut butter and I love my car. They, 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 and they've been in church for 40, 50 years and they still don't even know what the love of God is. But he, all right, just... Well, it got quiet on that. I'm, I'm all right with that. I'm all right. I really am all right. The Bible is the only thing that explains the why of creation, the reason for man, the nature of man, the goal of man. It deals with things that the senses cannot discover or know without assistance from revelation knowledge. The unhappy fact is that sense knowledge has gained the supremacy in the church. The church is a spiritual organization, a spiritual body to be governed through the spirit and not your senses. The Bible is not a sense knowledge book at all. Thank you. Now think about that for a minute because there, you know, whenever, whenever you have people and you say we're going to have uh, you know, uh, uh, pray for people today, and I'm not throwing you under the bus if you come up for prayer. But there's people who've been saved for 30 years that have no confidence in God because they really don't know Him. You don't know God through your senses. You know God only through your spirit and only through the Word and by, by, by seeking God and getting in the Spirit. If you don't get in the Spirit and pray in the Spirit and read your Bible, you, you are ignorant of God. You're ignorant of prayer. You're ignorant. And it isn't that God doesn't love you. It isn't that you don't love God. But you're basing, you know, you're spending what, one or two hours a week at church if you're a good Christian. And that's pretty much all the Bible, Christianity, that's about all most people get of God, ever. And that's just two cold snacks. Okay, so what does it mean to walk by faith? It literally means to walk by or to live your life by the written word and not by the way things appear or feel. That is a discipline it is a discipline. You will teach yourself to do that or you won't do that. Okay. 1 John 4, 1 John 5, 4. Go ahead and, and pop that on the screen. I'm going to use the screen. We're going to go through a lot of stinking scriptures tonight, so just hold on. Whatever's born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that overcomes this world. You're what? Your faith, and faith has nothing to do with five physical senses, not a thing. Faith, and when you read the word faith, let's read it tonight, faith in the written word. Faith in that. Faith in that. You don't have faith in that, no victory. No victory outside of you knowing your Bible and, and knowing it by doing it, not knowing it by reading it. Reading the Bible does not renew your mind. Practicing it renews your mind. All right, now let's pop up. Let's go. Let's go. Romans one seventeen. Let's let's look at that. We've got a bunch of scripture we're going to look at. 
For the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith as it is written, the just live by faith. So the just live only by the written word plus nothing. How then are you living by faith if you don't know what the word says? Now, let me, let me, I'm gonna, I'm gonna use people that I know that don't go to this church because I don't like using people that go to this church. I meet people all the time that they, Lisa and I meet them or they come here and, and we get to talking to them and they go, well, I have a good church, I go to a good church, and I'll, and I'll say, and I'll use the word, well, you know, they'll, they'll pray about something. I said, well, you know the scripture they led by the Spirit and they'll go, nope, I don't know anything about that. And I'm like, well, okay. But they're like, well, I want you to pray for me. And I'm going, well, that's not really something we pray about. It's something you are led by the Spirit. Do you, and so we read it to them, show them in the Bible. And, and, they, and they never go home. They never read it themselves. They never, they never, never, never learn anything about being led by the Spirit. But the Bible says that the just live by faith, faith and you are led by the Spirit. And you don't, know any, you don't even know where the Scripture is. How are you going to have victory if you don't even know what the Bible says about what you're doing? That's right. And that is the vast majority of Christians have a philosophy. If we come to church and God sees that we're being good little boys and girls, good little boys, good little troopers, and we listen to the sermon and we say amen a little bit, then we're, that's what is required. That, no, I don't think so. All right. If you don't know your Bible, you cannot walk by faith. So there has to come a day where you go, okay, I think it's time for me to start marking scriptures that pastor is actually preaching on and then go home and read them and meditate on them and start applying that to my life. Amen. Because other than that, that I'm, you're wasting my time and I'm wasting yours. Thank you. This is Wednesday night. You know that, right? Yeah. Okay. This is not Sunday morning. No. I want you to look at Luke 4. We'll go back to the sermon title. What does the Bible say about you? Can you find you in the Bible? Okay. This is actually, if you can, you're, you're way ahead of a lot of people. I want you to start learning, and we'll give you a bunch of scriptures tonight. Write them down. Write them down. If you didn't come with an ink pen or paper, shame on you, then take my notes later, and I'll, I'll let you print off for $10. You think? Or you can just write them down on your hand, and when you get home, Luke 4, 16 I want you, we're going to read this. And, and he came, that would be Jesus, where he had been brought up. That was his home church. As his custom was, he went in the synagogue on the Sabbath day and he stood up to read. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place written. Where, what is he doing? He's looking for scripture. Yeah. Apparently, he knows it's in there. 
How would he know that? He's been reading it. Okay. One of the things that I found very, very interesting is the Jewish nation was one of the first nations, if not the first, that taught everyone from adults to children to read. You know, in Egypt, it was against the law for anyone other than the hierarchy to read. That's why God put Moses in Pharaoh's court so he would learn to read. But no one, see, the way you keep people in bondage is to keep them illiterate and ignorant. So God wants you to know how to read. But the primary reason, now all Sunday schools, all school systems in America today started with a Sunday school that taught children how to read because they couldn't read their Bible. The school system that is so corrupt today, taken over by a corrupt government, was originally designed so you could read the Bible. And out of all of the learning, they still don't read their Bible. If there's one book you ought to read, it's the Bible. If there's one book you ought to know, it's the Bible. Okay, now now I'm not just amen. I mean, I want you to go dead serious with me. It's time for you, you know, I was showing Lisa the other day, my, my newer, newer version of the Bible is now falling apart, and I keep pouring glue in it. And, of course, you know, we have this saying, if you're, if your Bible's falling apart, your life is not. If your life is falling apart, your Bible is not. So my Bible is now again. I, see, I always have two extra Bibles in my office that I'm starting to mark up for the day this one goes to heaven. <laughs> it dies and we give it a better. And there's been a good old Bible. All right. But that's why I buy leather and everything because I found out if you don't buy a really, really good one to start with, just forget it. Don't last long at all. It's like an old Pinto. It don't it just forget it. You might as well. You wasted your money. It fell apart before you got it paid for. All right. Now let's let's finish this. It was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah, and when he opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, set at liberty those that are oppressed, to, pray, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. He closed the book, and he gave it back to the attendant, and then he sat down, and the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him, and he said, Today the scripture is fulfilled. He says, By the way, P.S., everybody, I want you to know that's me. Now, they didn't much like him saying that, but now I want to know, can you find you in the Bible? Now, we're going to go over some scriptures right now on who you are. And I want you to know this, if you're not meditating on them, you don't know who you are, and you're going to get your identity from something other than the Bible. The only person you ought to get your identity from is God. He's the only one who knows who you are. Your mama don't know who you are. Your daddy don't know who you are. Your school teacher don't know who you are. And the government don't know who you are. But God knows who you are. 
And if you tell your relatives what God said you are, they will correct you and tell you that you are wrong. So, the first person, the first one we're going to go is 2 Corinthians 5, 17. We're going to go over. You say, well, I've read that before. Well, sweetheart, let's read it again. You know, it, I found out, you know what? There are certain foods that I like to eat, and I eat them over and over and over and over and over. And right now, I'm kind of like almost egged out. But anyway, nonetheless, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, I can, I can, I can. In the name of you, I can. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation, a new species of being. Old things are passed away and everything is new. Now, here is, here's revelation knowledge. Here's revelation knowledge. You are a new species and there isn't anything in you God could chide you for. That's how perfect you are. Do you know that? I'm going to say it again. If any man is in Christ, he's brand new. There is nothing in you from your past. I mean, when you have a new house, it's not the old one renovated. Do you understand that? We're not talking about your house. I got a new home. Come and find out that you bought new furniture and painted it. No, you didn't buy new furniture. You, you tore that one down and you sold it and you went over here to another neighborhood and you bought a new house. Brand new. It, it, you, you are new, and there's nothing in you from the old man. There is nothing of the old man in you at all. Without that scripture, without that scripture, you will not know that. And, and, and most people, most people's problem that are born again is they are suffering from an identity crisis. All oppression, all depression, all shame, all guilt is, is your suffering from an identity crisis. Jesus did not have an identity crisis. Well, well, he was the son of God. Well, apparently, if you think, well, surely, I don't know, he's the son of God. Well, then you, apparently you're talking like you aren't. There's a bumper sticker that was put out by Christians. And it says, I'm not perfect, I'm forgiven. The bumper sticker is 110% incorrect. Because whoever wrote it has not been reading the Bible. We're not just forgiven, we're perfect. Now, I had threatened to put that on the sign outside, but I didn't want to find my building burned down by Christians who don't like the idea that I'm running around arrogantly calling myself perfect. And God knows you are not. Who do you think you are? So I didn't put it on the sign outside. And I probably never will put it on the sign outside, but I am going to put it on the day of the rapture. God, tell me when the rapture. We were perfect. Bye. Now I'm not. I'm, I'm not. I'm. I'm not downplaying you being Puerto Rican, Italian, Mexican. 
or just a plain pecan. I'm not downplaying your physical hair, but the Bible says your flesh profits you. It, 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 it has never added a stinking thing to your life other than getting around your in-laws, your outlaws, and then accepting you at dinner at Christmas. Other than that, it's really of no advantage. So I hear people say, well, you know my people. I go, I, I thought I was your people. I thought, well, if I'm sitting read right here, we're all in the family of God. I'm a new species, and you're a new species, and I, I kind of thought we were brothers and sisters, and and, and we are. It's the way I think. All right. Now, that's a scripture you should mark it, and you should read it to yourself and say, there is nothing in me. There is nothing of the old man. I don't even have a sin nature. Woo! God did not make you 98% okay. He made you 100% okay, and you're the first one that has to be okay with that because until you're okay with it, you're never going to convince your family because you're running around trying to get them to like you. They don't have to like you. You need to like you. You need to, God likes me. By the way, I'm perfect. I'm going to start a riot. That'll do it. All right. Colossians 1.13, Colossians 1.13, another I am, another I am. He delivered me, so, okay, okay, I'm just going to, pastor, I want you to cast the devil out of me. I, I have had Christians come in wanting deliverance. Well, they're, from What? Why don't you resist the devil and he'll flee from you? Listen, I can cast it out, but it's in your car. <laughs> waiting on you. It's at home waiting on you. So, so how do I handle that? How do I see myself? He delivered me from the power of darkness and conveyed means placed me into the kingdom of the son of his love. I am, I have been, I am delivered. I am delivered. I have been delivered. That is a I am. That's an I am. I am delivered from the power of darkness. I am delivered from all the authority of the enemy. I'm not, I don't have to have the devil cast out of me just because he's harassing. I just tell him to leave in Jesus' name. And the Bible says he flees from me, which is another scripture that you have to know. When I first read that in my Bible, I thought, that can't be true. I have so much trouble with the devil. Right, he didn't say I wouldn't have trouble. He just said I'm not in his kingdom. He has no, he, there is nothing in his kingdom over me now. There is no damnation. There is no judgment. There is no judgment on me at all. Are you? There is no judgment on you. Amen. None. Let's look at another one. I got another one I'm going to say in a minute, and I just, I just can't wait. Colossians 2.10. Colossians 2.10. You are what? 
Well, yeah, God's working on me. I understand your soul. I'm not. But if you're, he, he, he's, he didn't start a work in your spirit and he's still working. You're already perfect. The Bible says work out your salvation, but if you're not working from perfection, you're never going to arrive. You're going to always be trying to climb a ladder to get closer to God. Who said you had to get on a ladder at all? You're already seated in heavenly places in Christ. Do you understand? You, he started and finished the whole tamale in one second. You're complete. You're not going to become more complete when you die. You're going to step into heaven already having arrived, and you're here complete. Who is the head of all principality and power, which is over all the work of the enemy? Now, what I'm reading these for is because I have a habit, a good one, of reading these out loud to myself on a regular basis because I need to walk by that and not how I feel. Do I feel complete? No. Do I feel new? No. Do I feel righteous? No. Do I feel like he loves me? No. Do you? I Sometimes, you know, when we're worshiping the Lord, well, that's fine. So your love for about 10 minutes and then all the love quits and you're not loved anymore. Why do you think the early Pentecostals went to church every night? To feel saved. Never mind. Revelation 1, 5. In, in Colossians 2.10, I want you to understand, there is nothing in you that God could even find if he was looking for something wrong. Amen. Oh, that's what oh, I mean, that's not right. Oh. I mean, if he was looking for fault, he couldn't find it. How, what does the word complete mean? All right, Revelation 1.5, I love this. Jesus, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, the ruler over the kings of the earth. He's not talking about Putin and Biden. He's not talking about physical men that are living in some big mansion. That's not who he's talking about. I'm going to show you who he's talking about. Are you ready? Him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his blood, verse 6, and made us what? Kings. That you have to look at that or you'll never act or believe you are. Let, let, me, let me say something. Royalty does not act like everyone else. Now, when, I'm, I'm just going to share Mary Fran with you for a minute. Mary Fran grew up with her husband was a plastic surgeon, and he's Italian. I don't know whether that you understand that, but that means that there's a family in Nashville. And they own a lot of real estate, and they own restaurants, and they own a lot of stuff. Okay. So we go out to dinner with her. And I said, do you want me to park the car? And she goes, Absolutely not. That is the porter's job. I'm like, okay. 
I don't think like she does. And I said, well, Mary Fran, they're going to park it right there. She goes, I don't care where they park it. But see, she doesn't think like I think. And I thought, park my car over there. Wash it while you're at it. Are y'all listening? There's a, when you're reading your Bible, you need to say, how would a king think? How would they walk? How would they talk? King, now here's what makes a king a king. His word is law. I walk by faith, not by the way I feel. Kings don't wonder whether what they say is law. Paupers know that what they say don't mean squat. I was going to say something, but I'm going to to be nice. Romans 5.17. Romans 5.17. If by one man's offense, that would be Adam, death reigned through the one, much more those who receive the abundance of grace, say me, say I received an abundance of grace. Now, now I'm going to make. I'm going to stop right here and insert. There is no feeling when it came. There's no such thing as the feeling of abundance of grace. There, it's there whether you feel it or not. God in you. He does not come in with feelings. There's no way to know he's in there because you went, I'm thinking he's there. I walk by faith, not by how I feel. Matter of fact, I feel like he don't even know I exist. But that's because of what I think about all day. Are y'all getting this? One man's death, much more those who receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. Now, what is the gift of righteousness? He, he gave you his. So, now, now, I love something Andrew Womack said. He said, if, if, if someone came in and dropped dead in church and, and, and Andrew said, we're going to raise him from the dead, everybody be going, yeah. Until he said, you come, do it. Oh, no, 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 Andrew, you do it. You don't believe you're righteous. You're always waiting on someone more righteous than you. Why? Because you don't feel worthy. Why are you asking your body whether the Bible's true? You'll never believe you're righteous until you start meditating on the Scripture and get your mind renewed to who you are in Christ and start thinking. Everybody says, well, and I say this, well, do you think Jesus ever had the flu? No. Well, the Bible says he was tempted in all points. 
That means he actually probably had a sniffle. But we have no record of him counseling a crusade or not going to church because his nose was running because he knows he's righteous. The reason you stayed home, you don't know it. You're going by your sniffle, not the word. My God meets all my needs. Stop worrying about money. See, does he meet all your needs? Well, that's the end of your worry right there. Forget it. Stop. Now, we're going to talk in a minute that you have to put voice to it. When the temptation comes, you go, my God meets all of my needs. Not, oh, my God, what are we going to do? No, you're not walking by faith. You're walking by checkbook. Well, I'm trying to be a realist. God does not need your checkbook to meet your needs. He's actually a little tiny bit bigger than that. That's fine for you to say because you're a pastor. There's nothing in there. He meets all of my needs because I'm a pastor. You have the same Bible I have. You have the same. I get your Bible. It's exact same. Look in your Bible. It says you need your Bible. See, here, here's, here's one of the things, and I'm going to, and this is going to be, I'm going to get on your toes a little bit. When you turn in a prayer request and you start crying, you, you need to slap yourself upside your head. Why are you crying while you're turning in a prayer request? Why are you crying at all? Don't you care? I do. Okay. But what is it you're wanting God to do? Answer my prayers for you while you cry and refuse to obey the written word because you're going by the way you feel right now as opposed to the word? At some point, you're going to have to go, hey, I'm time for me to change. Well, I just didn't feel good. I see that, you big carnal baby. In other words, that works when you are really a baby, but after a while, it don't work anymore. It will not work. It won't work if I pray. You can call Oral Roberts. You can call uh, um, um, Rodney Howard Brown. You can get a hold of Kenneth Copeland, Joyce Myers, uh, Catherine Kuhlman. She died. Who else do we need to get a hold of? Mary Frances Ferrallo, get Lisa. Have a 24-hour prayer meeting and fast and pray and sing and shout and run the aisles and jump pews and do nothing because you refuse to go, the Word says. I'm going to ask you a question. How many months would it take for me to pray and get everyone in this church to pray that you would be born again if you refuse to receive Jesus by faith? You'd never get it. That's what I'm trying to talk about tonight. I'm not being uncaring. I'm telling you the way you're doing it does not work. It's religious, but it doesn't work. Please don't. I mean, don't, don't I mean, it's not, it's not just having a bad I get it. Well, now pick your Bible up and let's spend a little time to get your eyes back on the Word and off the fact that your boss told you that, you know, what, what, whatever you heard. We, everyone hears, I hear the same things you hear. From my family, from my, I hear it all. I hear bad reports. I hear them. 
I choose to go with the word. I'm not saying that they're not real. I just said, well, great is the peace of my children for they're taught of the Lord. That's what I have to say about my family in Jesus' name. What am I doing? I'm applying the word to it. I'm going to walk by faith right now, sweetheart. I'm not going to have fallout because somebody in the family had a meltdown. Now, I just, I did do something. Kenneth Copeland walked in his uh, hospital where his dad was in the bed and his mother was, was falling apart. And he walked in there and he prayed over his father and laid hands on his father and commanded the, the sickness and disease to leave him in Jesus' name and applied the blood and then he got up and he walked out of the room. And he walked out and he said, and he's talking to someone, being very casual. And his mother walked up and said, how insensitive of you to be out here just talking when your father is in there dying. Is he in there dying? Come on, help me now. Come on, y'all, stop, stop. Is he in there dying? I thought he just got through laying his hand. They'll lay hands on the sick and they shall recover he's not in there so he pulls his mother off to the side and said what I'm doing is helping him and you are killing your husband now straighten up your face now I'm not as mean as he is and back then he was pretty rough but what but he told her what we told her was true when 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 Trina was in the hospital with a brain tumor, Mark put a sign on the door. Unless you're full of joy, you're not allowed in this room. Don't you even come in here. While my wife is believing God with a whiny baby look on your face, stay out of the hospital. And I mean, he demanded, don't even come in. And, and she recovered, did she not? Did she not? When their, when their grandson was, was, had leukemia, same sign, same sign. We prayed, we're standing on the word of God, and now we're speaking the word of God, but don't you come in here crying, don't you come in here, don't you, don't you even frown in the room. And we'll run you out of here, you stay home. And he recovered. He recovered. He recovered. See, the word works if you work the word. If you work the word, the word works. Amen. That's, that, that's, not, that's not compassion. Crying's not compassion. Crying's pity. Pity is unbelief. Pity is the God lied about it. I'm telling you right now, the doctor said, that's pity. Pity don't get anything done. Woo, thank you. Say, I walk by faith. Not by the way I feel. Not the way it looks. And not by what I heard. I walk by what God said. Prayers of a righteous man makes tremendous power available. Glory to God. I plead the blood of Jesus. Glory to God. I thank you for the mercies of God. The goodness and mercy follow me all the days of my life. And the goodness and mercy follow my children all the days of their life. In Jesus' name. 
Now, I might start acting like I'm happy even though in the natural. I might be wanting to slap somebody, but I'm right now going to talk about the mercies of God. Lisa will tell you it works. Okay, moving right along. Galatians 3.13. Christ redeemed me. Christ redeemed me. Did you know that all sickness is a curse? Did you know that by keeping the law, everybody under the law is cursed? Everybody not born again is cursed? Did you know that everybody walking the earth right now that's not saved is under a curse? They're damned. But you're not under a curse. There's no curse on you. Christ took the curse and, and, he, and he walked with God and he obeyed God and he redeemed me from the curse that came on me from not keeping the law and therefore I have no curse. I have no judgment on me. I am blessed coming in and I am blessed going out and everything I put my hand to is blessed and I'm prosperous and I don't care what Biden does. I'm blessed. You know, I don't have a job. Shut up. Walk by faith. You can have what you what? Say. Say. I have a job. I have a good job. Ain't nobody going to take my job. I'm blessed coming in. I'm blessed going out. Abraham blesses the mind. Glory be to God. I have favor with God and man. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. You know, every once in a while, you just got to, you got to read, get your Bible out and just read it to yourself a little bit. You got to talk to you and look at your checkbook and go, well, you lying devil from hell? No, I'm not looking at you. You mean, you know what you mean to me? You don't mean squat. God's bigger than you. Amen. Oh, I'm not moved by checkbooks and bank accounts. Hallelujah. Woo! See, this is a way of life. You can't half do this. You can't, I'm going to try it. Find a real good doctor. Because you don't try this. You either do it or you don't do it. I'm going to go to Ephesians 2, 4. Oh, okay. But God, whose riches and mercy with his great love with which he loved me. Oh, boy. With his great love, and he loves Frank. He loves Frank. He loves Frank. He loves Joshua. He loves, what's your name? What's his name? The apostle. Now, you know what? You have to open your Bible, mark it, and say, my God loves me. You know, if you don't read it in your Bible, you'll probably never hear it. You'll hear me tell you. But You know what the greatest need in the world today? What the world needs now, come on, help me, help me out, is love, sweet love. Why, it's the only thing that there just ain't so much of. That's because you ain't been in church. God loves me. He's got my picture on his wall. I like what Andrew said, his, my picture's in his wallet. <laughs> Have you seen my 
son Daryl lately. Oh, it is looking good, looking good. <laughs> he loves y'all. He loves you. Think about that. I mean, isn't that a whole lot better way to walk? You know what they said to me? I could care less. If you knew who I was. I got to tell you a story. I got to tell you a story. I love to tell you stories, especially when, it, when it's got a bad guy in it. One day, I'm out at Orlando Country Airport. And apparently, Benny Hinn had hired a pastor to do all the stuff he didn't like to do. Like bury people, marry people. He called me and wanted to know if I'd do it. And I said, not unless you pay me a big salary, I'll come do it for you. And I, I really did. I told him no. I said, I'm not coming down and doing your job for you. I have my own people to marry and bury. And I just turned him down. So he hired somebody. Well, he's at Orlando Country. And he gets out of a big, fancy airplane. And I'm standing there with one of my pastor friends. And he goes, do you know who that is? I said, no, who? That's Benny Hinn's pastor. I said, well, I'm going to go meet him. He goes, oh, no. <laughs> this is a true story. So I just walked up and said, I heard you're Benny Hinn's pastor. He said, yes, I am. I said, I'm Pastor Darrell Morgan. Good to meet you. And then I said, it's good that you met me too. He says, it is. I said, hallelujah, praise the Lord. And we talked a few minutes, and I walked back over, and he went, what did you do that for? <laughs> Don't you know? He. Don't you know who he is? I said, don't you know who I am? I said, you know what your problem is? You don't know who I am. And it's, and it's amazing that I talk to you. I'm going to tell you, I hate that attitude. I hate it. One day, one, one night, I had a dream that I was going to, uh, I was talking to Kenneth Copeland at the airport, and I woke up the next morning, and the Lord said, I'm going to let you meet Kenneth. And I said, okay, that'd be fun. So Bill Dunkley and I flew out to uh, Copeland's, and he was going to fill our, um, our we were going to change oil there in the, in the airplane. We were flying to the Philippines, and we heard that Copeland wouldn't be in until the next day because he's in Colorado. That's what everyone at their ministry said. But the Lord said to me, I'm going to let you meet Kenneth. And I said, okay, thank you, sir. So I walked in and I said, they said, what are you doing? I said, well, I'm going to stand out here until Kenneth comes. And they went, he isn't coming. I said, yes, he is. And they said, we should know. <laughs> we have inside information. I said, I have higher information <laughs> than you do. And the guy got mad and stormed off because I'm standing there waiting on Copeland. And shortly after, he lands in a 421. Him and Gloria got out, and I walked up, and I said, hello, I came out here to talk to you and say hello. I'm Pastor Darrell. He said, good to meet you. And we talked for about five minutes, and then we got in our airplane and left, and he went about his way. And God opened the door because I wanted to meet him. But I didn't, oh, my God, I can't Copeland. I just, can I kiss you? Yeah. <laughs> He's a big, fat pilot that God started using an anointing. He's, he's just man. 
But he's a man God uses, and he's a man of honor. And, 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 I, and, and God honored me by saying, I'd like for you to meet him. Well, you know, God opens up a door for you. I, I just never have fallen apart when I met anybody. I figured if I met Angela, I met the greatest person in the world. What is everybody else? What if you actually had a good opinion of yourself? I've got another story to tell you. How am I doing for time? I'm doing good. This lady, there was a, Mary Fran was called in Africa to, a, 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 I guess it's a king and a queen or a prince, the head of the country. And his wife said, I'm not quite sure she's really a prophet. So she dressed up as a servant and got in the servant's line. And when Mary Fran came up and got out of the limo, she has to walk through like about 20 or 30 servants to get to the, to the president of the country. And when she walked up in front of the woman, the, the, the king's wife, she turned and said, good evening, madam. Wow. And she said, you are a prophet. She said, yes, let's go. Found her right in it. We don't. God don't care whether you have what garment you have on. You're a prince. Say I'm a prince. Say I'm a king. Say I'm righteous. Say I am blessed. Say I walk by faith, not by the way I feel. Now your feelings. Now your feelings will lie to you. Your feelings are squirrely. They're ah down, ah down. One day you're on top of it. Jesus loves me. This I know. Glory to me to God. Thank you, Jesus. Next day, <laughs> pray for me. Pray for me. I'm backslidden. <laughs> Did I hit a nerve? Okay, I must have hit a good one. Okay. All right, go to John 20. Come on, y'all. You know good and well what I'm talking about. I mean, if you don't fight... To walk by faith, you won't. I, I look at Lisa sometimes and I say, I'm going, total word. That means I don't want to hear nothing but what the word says right now. Because everything is contradicting what it says. And I'm like, whoa, I need to get my Bible out and quote what the word says. John 20, let's go. This is good. 20 verse 24. Now, Thomas, called the twin, was one of the 12. He wasn't with them when Jesus came the first time. The other disciples, therefore, said, we saw the Lord. And he said, well, unless I see his hands and the print of his nails, and I stick my finger in the print of the holes in the nail, and I put my hand in his side, I ain't going to believe it. After eight days, the disciples were again inside, and Thomas was sitting there, and Jesus came walking in the door, stood in the midst, and said, hey, guys, what's up with your bad selves? And he said to Thomas, he said, Thomas, why don't you reach over and put your finger right in that hole, batty? Because he heard everything that he said. And he said, you know, blessed are those who actually have believed what I said, contrary to putting their finger in the hole. You know, somebody said to me one time, said, I would love to live when Jesus was alive. He ain't dead. I'm not quite sure what to do with that. You know, man was alive when he was alive. Woohoo! 2 Corinthians 9 8. 
You ready for some money? Ready for some money? Zach and I are the only ones in here that want some money. I'm going to come over there and I'm going to look at Wilson right now. Wilson, you ready for some money? Ready? You ready for, you ready for some money? All right, now look, look at this scripture. Look at this scripture. Look at this scripture. Say, I walk by faith. God is able to make all grace to abound toward me. I will always have all sufficiency and all things. I even have an abundance for every good work. Now, as of right now, I feel broke. <laughs> but that says I ain't. Now, I don't know, is Donald Trump's son Baron? Byron? Baron. I don't know the whole family. I don't know nobody in that family. I should learn their names. I want you to imagine him going down and getting a job at Taco Bell. You can't, you see, you're laughing. Why? No, he don't. His daddy got money. Yours does too. Yes, he does. See, see, listen. You can't imagine it. They're, they're, you're thinking, Byron Trump, it ain't happening. Why do you think you need to go there? You know, God don't need your job to make you rich. He can make you rich. Now, we're going to learn one. We're, I got to do this before we get out of here because I got to do it. I got to do it. I got to do it. So, so go to Romans 10, 9 and 10. Go to Romans. I went through a whole lot of scriptures tonight. I went through a whole lot of scripture. And I'm not charging you by the scripture because if I was, you'd have to double up on your tithe right now. Yeah, you are rich. Bless coming. Romans 10, 9. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart God raised from the dead, you'll be sozoed. You'll be healed. You'll be blessed. You'll be prospered. Now, now, wait a second. Wait a second. So the way you know you release faith is by what you say. So is it important to not only know those scriptures but to say them? It is because you didn't get born again until you said it. You didn't sit there and go, oh, that's so sweet. Oh, my God, I do believe he died and rose from the dead. So I want to give you a story. It's another goofy story, goofy story, great goofy story. Paramedics got called to a house. They come in. There's a man lying on the floor. He has passed out. The paramedics check him, and they said, what's wrong? He's starving to death. When have you last eaten? It's been a long time. Do you believe if you eat some food, you'll live? I do. And he dies. But he believed it. Okay, I'm going to come over here. How many of you believe you're dying of starvation, you eat food, you live? So what should you do? 
Eat some food. But you do believe it. People sit in church and go, but I believe the Bible. I go, I know, but you don't do. If you eat the food, you'll live. Oh, I believe, I believe, I believe. It's a silly illustration, but it's really simple. Just put the taco in the mouth. Put the word in the mouth. Amen. Put the word in the mouth. Put the taco in the mouth, baby. <laughs> because you don't feel like that scripture is true. It's never going to feel true until you say it. I don't feel righteous. That's because you never said you're righteous. I know, but I'm not going to say I'm righteous if I don't feel I'm righteous. Well, then you ain't never going to walk in the righteousness of God because you're going to have to say you're saved before you're saved if you want to be saved. But I'm not saved, but you have to say I'm saved. Yeah, but I'm not saved and I don't feel saved. But he said if you said you believe he died on the cross and rose the dead, you'd be saved. Do you believe he died? I do. Do you take him as Lord? Well, I don't feel it. Now, I got to tell on myself. I'm going to tell on myself. I'm going to tell on myself. Lisa will be mad at me, but I'm going to tell on myself. The only wedding I didn't cry at was mine. Lisa got to look at me. She goes, why, why don't you cry at our wedding? I mean, every, every wedding we go to, you cry like a bit. Because <laughs> I feel sorry for the man getting married. I just, <laughs> no, not really, not really. Not really. I'm teasing, I'm teasing. I don't know why I get so emotional at weddings, but I didn't in mind. I didn't in mind. I had this thought. Martha. <laughs> you got about four minutes, darling, and you are done. Oh, Martha, we don't have to put up with you no more. I'm taking this woman to Jamaica. Come on down. Never mind. But I will tell you this. I didn't feel any different, but it didn't matter. That's right. It didn't matter. <laughs> because I believe that what I said, do you take this man, I'm listening, and be your husband? Yes, I yeah. Ah, yeah, I got that word. Do you, Daryl? Yeah. Take her. Yeah. To be your wife. Yeah. It didn't matter how I feel, because I'm leaving with you tonight. No matter how I feel, I'm leaving with you for Jamaica, and I don't care how I feel, we, we ain't coming home after the night. Amen. What if? What if we took the word of God? What if, what, just what if? Heavenly Father, I receive. I receive a new job. I receive the blessing I receive now in the name of Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. How you feel? I don't feel nothing. But it don't matter. Anybody out here? Now, I'm not saying I don't like the feelings. I mean, I've been in church and, and had the feelings hit. But I've gone home, and they didn't, they didn't go home with me. They just stayed right here in the carpet. Woke up the next morning, hey, doing bad? I think I'm backslid. (laughs) 
Oh, I got one more scripture. I got two more. Matthew 9, 27. 9, 27. Matthew 9, 27. And Jesus departed from there, and two blind men followed him. And they cried and said, Son of David, have mercy on us. And when he came in the house, they walked in the house with him. They came to Jesus and said, do you believe I'm able to do this? He said, yeah, well, I do. I believe you can do it. Now look at this next scripture. And he touched their eyes and said, according to my power that's flowing through your toenails and your fingernail right this minute. According to what? They said, I believe that you, will do, you can do it. He said, according to what you said, be it to you. He didn't say there was anything about what he did. He didn't say now that he's going to lay, he's going to lay hands on them. Right. Did you know that you can take that scripture and it's always according to your faith? Yes. Amen. I think one of the greatest lessons I've ever learned in my life is how to walk by faith. What does the word say? What does the word say? What does the word say? And I school myself. What it says. In the morning, Lisa and I have coffee and we'll read the Bible to each other. And I wake up in the morning and I'll say, this is what the Lord said to me this morning. And we think and meditate on what the Lord said. That's, that, folks, that's powerful. Okay, James 1, 5. And I'm, and I'm done. Say, I walk by faith. Now, this works if nothing else, this will always work. Any of you lacks wisdom? If any of you lacks anything, let him ask of God who gives to all men liberally and without reproach will be given to him. 100% of the time. Verse 7. Let him ask in faith, know what? He who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven by the wind and tossed. Don't let that man suppose he's going to get anything from the Lord. So what I'm trying to tell you is, is I'm not being mean. I'm not being mean. I'm not being insensitive to what you're going through. I'm just going to tell you that if you want out of it, you're going to pick that book up and you're going to walk by faith. Or you're not coming out. And I will say it is probably one of the most difficult things you'll ever train yourself because I've had times when I've read a scripture and 30 minutes later I'm looking at Lisa going, where in the world did my Bible go? I need to read that scripture right now. And most of the time it's cast all your cares on the Lord and I gave him all my cares and I go, Heavenly Father, I'm carefree. I'm not worried about nothing. Praise the name of Jesus. Glory to God. And about 30 minutes later I'm going, has anybody seen my Bible? Because I need to read that scripture right now and just read it. Amen. <laughs> Kenneth Hagin said, if you see yourself dying, the word has departed from your eyes. If you see yourself broke, if you see yourself defeated, if you see yourself any way other than the word, then the word has departed. Well, how much do I need? I, I don't know, but when you're riding down the road in the morning, rather than put on makeup, <laughs> once you sit at the traffic light like this, 
instead of like this. <laughs> I'm in trouble now. Say, I walk by faith. I walk by faith. The just live by the word. Thy word have I hid in my heart. I meditate on the laws of the Lord day and night. The word is a light to my path. If I would say there's one thing I know Christians need, it's just you really need a relationship with God through your Bible. You can't, there's no such thing as too much. I read my Bible too much today. That, no. Okay, now I'm not talking about starting in Genesis and going, well, Pastor, I started reading in preface today. Okay, why don't you start in the New Covenant and skip Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John since they're in the Old Covenant and start with the book of Romans where you find out that you are the righteousness of God and then go to Corinthians and find out how to be full of the Holy Ghost and then get over in Jude and find out about paying in tongues and get into Galatians. Do you understand? Those are, those are letters written by the Lord. Now, now without it, there's no way to have the knowledge that's in there. There's no way to get it. Satan hates you reading Bible. Now, I'm going to tell you right now, you'll pick up a Bible, phone will ring. There's no law in the book that says thou shalt pick up that phone. Or answer the door. When Lisa and I go witnessing or go to talk to someone about the Lord, we all, I always take her to take care of the crazy children, the neighbor that will knock on the door, and all the disruptions while I'm talking. Because every demon in hell will raise its head when I'm going to be sharing the word with somebody. And sometimes when you're reading your Bible, you might as well just expect. Just pick it up and go. Bleep, 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 bleep. <laughs> Satan, shut up. Not today, devil. How'd I do tonight? One to ten. Did I do, right? Did I do a ten? All right. Coming back. Going to ten. Good ten. <laughs> I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray over all of us. Father, right now, every one of us sitting in this room, we heard the word, but now we got to do it. I pray right now, grace over everybody in the sound of my voice, that we will not be like the guy that believed he could eat and live. He actually needed to eat the taco. We actually need to put this word in our eyes and in our mouth. And starting tonight, starting tonight, we're going to get a relationship with the word of God in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this message by Word of Life Church. We just wanted to let you know there's a lot more content on our website at wolapopka.com. From our YouTube channel, to our podcast, to our SoundCloud, and many more events. We also wanted to let you know that we love giving you these messages. And it helps us too that if you would love to give to the what we're doing, it helps keep all these messages free. You can just simply go to our website and click the big Give Now button. Or you can text... 407 955 5345.
And remember, our pastor's vision is this. We grow Christians. So we thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time. 